All right, Life Church, get ready. This morning we are in for a treat. There's an anointed woman of God who's going to bring a great word to us this morning. I want you to come this morning with your hearts open and ready to receive. I want you to come wide open and just say, let, let's just do this right now, just for a moment. Just everybody just stop where you are. Let's all put our hands on our hearts and let's say, Lord, come. Speak to us today. We are open to what you want to do. In Jesus' name, everybody said, and without any further ado, let's give a big hand to Pastor Ev Schroeder. I'm all weepy today. It's a real honor for me to speak to you this morning. What a team we have at this church. I mean, great speakers, Pastor Matt, Pastor Tanya, Pastor Mike. So, yeah, it's a real honor when I get an opportunity to come and share with you. And, and uh, we're in the season of Advent, and today we're talking about love. What a topic. <laughs> I mean, when I started to prepare for this message, I thought, how do you even start talking about the love of God? It's just overwhelming. Yeah. But I believe I have something that's going to touch your heart this morning, and hopefully you'll walk out with some things rearranged in your spirit from my own life and out of the Word of God. So, are you ready? I want to read to you a little portion of a devotional that I read this week in regards to love. It said, the season of Advent rounds out with a focus on love. The story of Jesus is the story of God who loves us so incredibly, uncontainably much that God explodes the boundary between divinity and humanity and comes gasping into this world to love us in person with skin on. Don't you love that? He explodes the boundary between divinity and humanity. God's love is endlessly surprising. It's uncontainable. It's unexpected. It's unconventional. It's boundary-breaking. And that love refuses to be ordinary. God's love refuses to be expected or contained. It's a love that breaks the rules. It's really what the birth of Jesus and his whole life, death, and resurrection are about. Jesus' whole ministry was a love that chooses mercy over violence, a love that chooses outcasts, makes family out of social pariahs and tax collectors and sex workers and widows and children and the sick and disabled, the overlooked and the forgotten and the hated. God's love is so amazing. So amazing. And, you know, when Jesus was on the earth with skin on for us, he, he broke all the barriers of what love looked like and what we, the religious people of the time, thought he should be or what God should be. And in Luke 15, there's this setting where the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. And the Pharisees and the teachers muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And in this context of Jesus reaching out to every ordinary person, he tells the story of the prodigal son to illustrate what God's love was like. 
Now, that word prodigal actually means wastefully extravagant, reckless, foolish, or rash. It's come to mean spiritually lost. But I love this story, and I don't have time to delve into it real deep, but I want to touch on a couple of points because I think it beautifully illustrates the love of God. When this first son demanded his inheritance and decided to leave his home, to, to take your inheritance early is basically rejecting the entire family, and especially the father. It's like a slap in the face. So he takes his inheritance and he squanders it in reckless living, the Bible says. And when he comes to the end of himself, the absolute end of himself, and he's sitting in this pig pen, eating the slop that the pigs eat, he comes to his senses, the Bible says, and he says, I might as well go home and be a servant for my father. I've already, you know, ruined my inheritance. I'm no longer worthy to be called a son. I might as well go back and be a servant because the servants eat better than me with these pigs. And so in brokenness and repentance, he begins to journey home. And I love the fact that the Bible says that the father was waiting. As a matter of fact, he saw him a long way off. He saw him and he was waiting. And he wasn't waiting in judgment or disgust. He saw him and he was moved with compassion and without any hesitation, he runs. He runs to grab this son that had rejected him and treated him so poorly. Squandered his inheritance and he kisses him and he welcomes him home. And not only does he do that, he puts a ring on his finger. And that ring recognizes a seal of sonship. In essence, what he was doing is saying, I'm restoring to you your sonship. Even though you've rejected me and squandered everything that I've given you and basically spit in my face, I am going to love you, I'm going to restore you, and I'm going to put my seal of sonship on your life. And then he puts shoes on him. You know, only um, rich people wore shoes. He had been a slave, and he came and wanted to be a slave, but he says, no, you're not going to be a slave. You're going to be my son. Here's some shoes. He puts shoes on him, and then he puts a robe on his shoulders, complete restoration, forgiveness, covering his sin and his shame. And then he throws a feast, which was only for special occasions. And then there's this other son, the dutiful son, that had been staying at home, doing all the work, feeling very self-sufficient and self-righteous, entitled and judgmental. He didn't really want the father. He just wanted the inheritance. They both needed the grace of God. They both needed saving. And Isaiah 53, 6, it says, All we like sheep have gone astray. All of humanity were like these two sons, where, where love had to come down from heaven and rescue us and put a robe on us and put a ring on our finger and shoes on our feet. We were all prodigals. We didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it. But the love of God came down. 
to touch us. And I want to, if you've got your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 3. I'm going to dive into this portion of Scripture for a few minutes. And then I want to share a, a personal story with you. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 16 to 20. I've been meditating on this Scripture all week. It says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ would dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you would be rooted and established, rooted and grounded, some versions say, in the love of God. Rooted and grounded, that you would have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how high, how deep is the love of Christ. And not just to grasp it, but to know this love, to actually know it, that you would be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now, this expression, rooted and grounded in love, really was significant in those days because it talked about, you know, botany and building. You know, to be rooted in something. To, the, the scripture in the Living Bible says, let your roots go down deep into the soil of God's unconditional love. May he grant you all the riches of his glory to be strengthened and energized so that you would be deeply rooted and securely grounded. The word rooted, it should be like our root system. It should nourish and stabilize us. I love it. Like a living tree that lays hold of the soil and twists itself around the rocks and can't be upturned. We should be rooted in the love of God so much that nothing could pull us out. And grounded was talking about building. It's like a building that's been settled as a whole, that won't show any cracks or flaws in the future through failures or foundations. And it's only when you allow yourself and your life to be rooted and grounded in the love of God that you're able to love people the way that Jesus wants you to love them. And then he goes on to say, I'm, I'm praying, I'm praying, church, that not only would you be rooted and grounded in the love of God, but you'd be able to even begin to grasp how wide, how wide, how wide. Now, it's interesting when he talks about, you know, how wide and how deep and how long and how high. It's the form of a cross. Did you ever think about that? How wide is the love of God? How wide is it? It's wide enough to include every person, specifically you. <laughs> no one is exempt. No matter your race, your gender, your social status, your location, your background, God's love is wide enough to encompass you. It's wide enough to encompass the world. How wide is the love of God? First, Peter, First Timothy 2.4, God wants all people, all people, all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. His love encompasses everyone. No one is left out. How deep, how deep 
is the love of God. Deep enough to reach the worst sinner. Philippians 2, 7 and 8. You can't go lower than the death of the cross. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. That's how deep. That's how deep. I love this quote by Corey Ten Boone. There is no pit so deep that the love of God is not deeper still. That's how deep. Nothing can separate you from his love. His love reaches the deepest parts of us. How high? How high is the love of God? It's high enough to take us to heaven. Ephesians 2.6 says, He lifts me to heavenly places with Christ and seats me with him. Psalm, 60, Psalm 36.5 says, Your love, O Lord, reaches the heavens. Your faithfulness to the clouds or the skies. I love it in the message. God's love is meteoric. His loyalty, astronomic. His purpose, titanic. His verdicts, oceanic. Yet in his largeness, nothing gets lost. Not a man, not a mouse slips through the cracks. How high? How high is his love? How long? How long is the love of God? Long enough to last for eternity. When did the love of God, God start towards you, and when, it, when did it end? Jeremiah 31.3, I have loved you with an everlasting love. That's a long time. Psalm 139.16, your eyes saw my unformed body, and all my days were written in your book before one of them came to be. From beginning to end, God sees you, knows you, and loves you to the core. Now, I want to share a story. This is probably not going to be a super long sermon. But I feel like I've got in here what I need to share. I want to share a parenting fail with you. <laughs> is that okay? <laughs> you know, my son Jeff, I talked to him this week. He's 38. And I got permission to share this story. And I don't know if I've shared it here before, but it came to me when I was praying this week. He's probably about 11 or 12. And uh, he wanted this Nike jacket for his birthday really, really badly. It was very expensive. We didn't have a lot of money, so it was a bit of a sacrifice to for us to raise the money to buy him this jacket that he wanted so badly. And we gave it to him for his birthday, and he was so happy. And uh, he went to school, and a couple days later, he lost it. Yeah, and he kind of had a habit, you know, he was a good kid, he's, still a, he's a great man now, but he had a habit of losing things. I mean, when I'd go to the school, and, you know, they have the lost and found table, half of it would be Jeff's stuff. This would just annoy me to no end. But this particular day, I was really mad at him. <laughs> and 
you know, th this was a sensitive kid. He was a good kid. And he was already beating himself up for having lost this jacket. And what he needed from me was compassion and understanding and patience, but he didn't get it. So when I picked him up from school and he told me that he lost his jacket, I just laid into him. And I was mad and I was frustrated and I was annoyed. And that 11-year-old boy came home, ran to his room, and was so upset at himself that he grabbed the, the horizontal blinds and he twisted them and almost pulled them off. And this kid was never like this. And I was mad, and I went into the kitchen, and I didn't know he'd done this, but I heard a noise. And so I went into his room, and there he sat with these destroyed blinds and these pieces of paper all over the ground. And I went over, and I looked at these pieces of paper, and on them he had written, I'm stupid. I always lose stuff. I can't do anything right. I'll never get better. And when I saw those, I was so heartbroken and so annoyed at myself for this huge um, mishandling of this situation. I went into the other room, got out some pieces of paper, and started to write some new things. Now, I've got Brendan and Janelle. They're going to hand out some paper to you while I'm sharing. Don't read them yet. So I went into the other room, got some pieces of paper, and on it I started to write, You are loved unconditionally. You're loved in your brokenness. You're loved in your failures. No one could love you more. And I just started rewriting this whole scenario. And I went into his room, and he was sitting there. And I sat down on the floor beside him. And one by one, we picked up the papers that he had written, and we ripped them up and put them in the garbage one by one. And then we took these replacement papers and we put them on the ground in his room and we read them out loud, the truth. Now when I talked to Jeff this week as a 38-year-old man, I said to him, what was your memory of that situation? What was your, what, what was your takeaway? And you know what he said to me? He said, I remember sitting there, seeing these papers that you'd written, and he said, at first it was really hard for me to accept it and believe it. And he said, I remember I had to sit in it for a while. And I, I just thought about that this week. I thought, isn't this what God does with us? He takes up all the pieces of paper, all the scenarios, all our narratives, and he, if we let him, he rips them up, and then he rewrites them. But even when he gives you truth about how much he loves you, we sang it this morning, you have to sit in it. 
for a while. Sometimes it bounces off. And one of the things he said to me was what made it so difficult for him to receive that truth was he said, I just felt the power of shame so much that it was hard for me to take truth in. But he said, after a while of sitting in it, I let it come in. And my question to you this morning is, what are the papers on your floor? What are the papers on your floor this morning? And will you let the love of God come and sit beside you and rip those papers up one by one and give you replacement papers of truth? And will you let yourself sit in the love of God? Really, I can tell you God loves you all day long. You can read scriptures all day long. But unless you're willing to rip up your narrative and soak in the truth of the word of God, you'll never be rooted and grounded in love. So I've got some replacement papers for you today. And I want to read to you Ephesians verse 18 and 19 out of the Amplified Bible. Because it's not just enough to read about God's love. The Bible says you're supposed to fully experience it. In the Amplified Bible, it says, I, I want you, every one of you here this morning, and those of you online, I want every one of you to comprehend with all the saints the width, the length, the height, the depth of God's love fully experiencing that amazing, endless love. That you may come to know, not just up here, but practically through personal experience, the love of Christ, which surpasses mere knowledge without experience. That you may be filled throughout your being to all the fullness of God, so that you may have the richest experience of God's presence in your life, completely filled and flooded with God himself. And the only way that you can experience the love of God is to rip up your papers, soak in the truth, Invite him in and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal that to you. Because it's spirit-infused and it's spirit-revealed. And I want to take a few minutes this morning to actually do this. And I think discovering the love of God, the, the height, the depth, the width, and the length is a lifelong journey and experience. Because my little pea brain can't even fully take it in. I think I should have a better grasp of the love of God on my deathbed than I did on the, my day of salvation. 
because it's so encompassing. So I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit in a minute. We're going to close our eyes. I'm going to ask him to show you if you have any papers on your floor that you need to rip up. And then you're holding in your hand some suggestions for you to replace those papers. So Holy Spirit, we invite you here in such a tangible way this morning. We know you're always with us, but would you just be very tangible right now? Would you just reveal to us any narratives, papers that we've written ourselves or others have written on our behalf that need to be torn up this morning? Because we, your people, want to be rooted and grounded in the love of God so much so that we can love people the way you want us to love. So, Lord, just show us if there's anything that we need to rip up. And I, I just feel like some of you, maybe you haven't written a narrative, but others have written a narrative on your behalf that you need to rip those up. But it's not enough to rip them up. You need to replace them. Replace them with the truth of the love of God and sit in it. Jesus. We just choose right now to rip those up. <laughs> Lord, would you write on our hearts and our lives through experience the truth that you've loved us with an everlasting love? that nothing I do can separate me from your love. That your heart towards me is one of compassion, that you're slow to get angry, and you're rich in love and faithfulness. While I was still lost, and I didn't want you, you proved your love for me by dying on a cross. Your love for me is unfailing, and I can find refuge under your wings. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would, by your power, reveal the truth of the love of God to each one of us here in this room, experientially, that it would be written on our hearts, that there'd be no other narrative that would drive our lives, no other narrative that would define us, no other narrative that would motivate us, 
except for the love of God? Would you reveal to us the height and the width and the depth, the breadth of your love, Lord? Jesus. Amen. Jesus says this about loving us. He loves the most hidden, unbearable, broken parts of us. The love of God in Jesus spills right over the barriers that we hide ourselves behind. And his love seeps like water between the cracks in the walls that we put up to protect ourselves. And it all starts in a manger, tucked away in the forgotten corner of the world with a young couple who all the rules say shouldn't be together, but they are anyway. May love surprise us all this Christmas. May it flow through every crack. May it well up in surprising and beautiful ways. And may you soak in the love of God for you personally. In Jesus' name, amen.